is your emergency broadcast system. It's time for the hashtag Biz with the Beer podcast. Business as you've never heard before. This is an ACS executive production. Now, belt up and shut up. It's going to be one bumpy looking ride. May God be with you all. Welcome once again to the podcast that shows no shame. It's unapologetic, authentic, and raw. This is the hashtag biz with the beard podcast. Are you sure this is legal? I don't know. It's fun though, isn't it? Business as you've never heard before. I'm your host, the man whose beard can't even be penetrated by COVID-19. I am Curfee Smith. Oh, God, there he is. And you can subscribe to future episodes of the show and financially support us if you like. Uh, by going to anchor.fm slash bizwithbeard and hit listener support or email me directly to be title sponsors at curfee at acsexec.com. That's C-U-R-P-H-Y at A-C-S-E-X-C dot com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, or your YouTube channel. And remember, we can be found on all the other major podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Pandora, and basically all the others. Don't act like you're not impressed. But before we bring on our guest today, I have to mention my friends at Coon Beard Products. Now, you may be asking yourself, how does Curfee have such an awesome beard? Rocks on, rocks off. Well, I like to think it's just good genetics, but the truth is, I use Coon Beard Balm and Beard Oils. Recently, Coon launched a monthly subscription box called the Coon Box. And where every month, you, that's where every month you get $60 worth of products delivered for free for only 29 bucks a month. So the Coon Box comes with beard oils, beard bombs, Coon Soap, and other surprises each and every month. And by the way, you have to see these very cool handmade wooden boxes they come in. Now, as a hashtag bizwithbeard listener, Coon is going to hook up all of our bearded or future bearded listeners by giving you your first month free when you sign up for a Coon Box. All you have to do is go to coonbox.com and use the, word, use the code bizbeard when you sign up. Remember, that's a $60 value absolutely free. That is coombox.com. Use the code bizbeard and get your first month free. Now, it's time to get your beard on. Well, let's bring on our guest. Today's guest is truly an entrepreneur. School wasn't always for him. His teachers didn't think that he would do much past high school. However, he now runs a multi-million dollar international company that has surpassed $30 million in revenue. By the beard. He took on the U.S. government and won. You serious, Clark? He's considered a leader in his industry. He is also a real estate mogul and has recently acquired a car dealership. He has also been featured in Forbes. Hashtag biz with beard fans. Please welcome the president of Marshall Group, Huskin Properties, and now the new executive manager of Riverside Chevrolet in Illinois, my friend, Mr. Nate Huskins. Nate, welcome to Hashtag Biz with a Beard. Thanks, Kirby. Thanks for having me on. No, this is great. How are you doing and uh, what do you have going on today? Yeah, just uh, try to stay away from the corona, I guess. <laughs> no, right? This <laughs> pandemic that's going on. So uh, we, do, we, we could probably talk about that forever, and we'll probably get on a little political platform. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't want to <laughs> – even though it would be a really good topic, I think you've got better <laughs> topics to talk about. You started doing some speaking engagements recently, right? Yeah, yeah. I'm an introvert too, so that's so, uh, you know, never, uh, never that exciting for me. But it's good. It's good uh, – to get out there, uh, you know, um, 
a lot of people don't know who I am, which is sometimes okay for me, but, right. uh, uh, but it's always good to make new connections, right? That never yeah. hurts. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you you got a great story to tell, and that's what I'm excited to have you on today. And I asked you this question because, you know, Nate and I, we worked, and I kid him a little bit, because Nate's, and I asked you what you got going on today, because you always got something going on. There's always the next deal or next business idea. And Nate and I have worked together for a couple of years now, and, you know, there has not been many conversations that we've had that he's already working on something new. I mean, you're you're a machine. <laughs> where, where do you get all the energy and drive and all the ideas? I mean, it's, I mean, it's funny because every time I talk to him, again, it's every time I talk to him, he's always like, "Oh, I got another idea. And I'm working on this." And I'm like, "Man, um, I know it's not your diet because I see what you eat. And I don't know how you stay so thin, but so I mean, well, what's the drive? I mean, how do you do it?" Uh, you know, I don't. I uh, it's maybe a blessing or a curse. I'm not quite sure, uh, but the brain just never shuts off. You know, I mean, it doesn't matter you know, what subject, you know, you know, my primary business is car business, but that doesn't mean, I mean, I'm just walking around, I'm doing something, I'm working in the yard, I'm at the grocery store and something just pops up. I mean, it's just, uh, it's never ending. Right. So yeah. it's, uh, it makes it hard to sleep, good. right? Yeah. Yeah. I don't sleep much. Yeah, and, so last uh, night, right. I was working on something and I sent it to you and sure enough, you replied back and I think it was like 1230 and <laughs> I'm like, oh, he's up. Of course he's up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, you know, so some I sleep more now than I used to. I guess because I'm old, <laughs> getting older. But um, you know, three, four hours, five hours of sleep is usually is usually okay for oh, me. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, it, I, it is. I used to be the same way. I mean, I was talking with a buddy of mine. We were in banking, and we would be able to go on these business trips and just be out all night, get three hours of sleep, be a little, um, you know, <laughs> rough the next morning because of the activities the night before. And be fine and be able to perform. Now it's like, you know, I don't, you know, I don't drink alcohol, uh, not like I used to, um, not even close. Um, and, man, I just, I got to have more sleep than I used to. I, I got to get at least six to seven. Within, that's not with having anything in me. So, I, you know, I get it. This old age kind of sucks. Um, but yeah, I, still, I still haven't had to resort to uh, coffee or anything. I'm still not a coffee drinker, so I'm not. Able to uh, to still go, and I, I think it's part of genetics. I used to just, just really think people were lazy, you know, like man, right. you know, when they call me, yeah, hey, easy money, you know, like right, uh, right, like this comes. I'm like, what are you talking about? I work 80 hours a week, you know, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, you don't. I, I think part of it's genetics, but uh, you know, you just got to have that drive in you. Yeah, uh, it's not always about money, right? I mean, sometimes it's just. Uh, actually, the, the older you get, the less it is about the money, the more it is about just the accomplishment and uh, just doing something, right? That and enjoying good. what you do. Yeah, yeah. If course. you don't enjoy what you do, yeah, you're going to be lazy about it, and that, that makes yeah. total sense. So. Yeah, I don't work. I've never worked. I mean, since I was 20 years old, I've never worked a day. It's fun, <laughs> right? That's a great, that's, <laughs> that is a great, great outlook on that. Yeah. So, so, Nate, I, I hinted in the intro of your education and when you and I have talked about this before in private, uh, and I know you, you you love to share this. Tell me about your childhood. What kind of student were you? Yeah, I mean, school wasn't uh, always the best for me. Um, <clears throat> you know, like getting C's that was uh, that was pretty tough uh, in, in most subjects and all subjects except for math. Math came easy to me. Um, but uh, you know, I've never been tested, but uh, I'm pretty sure I'm dyslexic um, and. I actually just heard from a guy um, that 40% of entrepreneurs are dyslexic, which is really? interesting. I haven't looked that up to, to verify those facts, but a guy just told me that. 
Um, but I did, right before this call, uh, look up what percentage of Americans uh, are dyslexic, and it, and it said 5 to 10%. So the problem is the, uh, the education system doesn't teach kids with dyslexia right. um, in a way that they learn, right? So, you know, if you, if you, you know, science or science and reading, social studies, everything you read, that's the only way you learn is you read it. Yeah. And I don't learn that way. Well, so. maybe that's what, you know, entrepreneurs, because they're always looking at things a little bit differently and they're breaking it down a little bit differently. And maybe that's part of why they are so successful because they're not so trained to look yeah. at one thing one way. Um, they look at it differently. They're forced to look at it differently because that's just the way their brain works. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, like they teach you in school, you know, go read this, but you're like, I can't read this, so I got to figure out how to, else to learn so I can pass this, right? I can't right. study it now. So you're forced as a as a kid to figure out ways to to solve to problem solve just to pass just to get a passing grade. Yeah. So did your so. teachers and counselors? They all say, oh, you know what? This, what do they expect out of you? Is there yeah, a- I mean, uh, basically just to get through get through school like you know you know we're going to help you graduate which i didn't do you know i dropped out my junior year. i only finished 10 years of school so um but so it you just, dropped out of high school yeah nice. yeah and uh and i uh i started um I was 16 when i was 18 I, I started welding school and they told me hey uh if you want to get a job anywhere you got to get a ged so you know like back then getting a ged was like an hour at the courthouse doing a few, or I don't know what this courthouse or wherever it was. And right. it was super easy. I think they've made it harder now, but, um, but I mean, I think a third grader could have passed it back then. <laughs> so there wasn't much to it. It didn't matter. I mean, whether I finished high school or not, I don't think it would have, right. would have mattered. I'm sure I learned more in those two years being out in the real world than I ever would have being in high school. And that's for me. That's not everyone. But so, so let's go there. So you, you drop out of high school, right? You're, you're a C student, um, except for in math. You d- take some welding school. But now, I mean, here you are. I mean, you're you're still in your 30s, right? Yeah, I'm, I'll be 38 this month. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're still in your 30s. And so <laughs> your company, the Marshall Group, is an international multi-million dollar business. So how do you go from that to this? How did yeah. it start? How did it start? I was just having a, a conversation the other day because, um, you know, I have a better work-life balance than I did uh, when I was younger. Um, it was all work, uh, no life. Um, but I think, you know, being uh, pressured down or being put down as a kid, you know, oh, you drop out, you know, and, and I never did drugs or drank, so that was rare for a dropout. Um, but... Uh, you know, everybody's telling you you can't do it or they don't really care. They don't want to help you. So, you know, that I think that really drove me to be successful. Start putting and, chips on your shoulder, huh? Oh, yeah. Tell the naysayers, you know, like, yeah. and, and now I don't, you know, it's, I just, I want, I want to help others who are maybe in the same situation, not feel so down. Right. right. Um, you can do stuff. So, so yeah, you know, my dad was in the car business um, for 23 years. So I grew up in it, started washing cars at 12 years old at the dealership he worked at, um, did some lot work, whatnot. So when I was tw- 20 or 21, I think 20, um, I started selling cars with him. 
at a, at a franchise store and, and eBay was, it was big. I don't even think eBay motors existed. And I was like, Hey, you know, we need to get on the internet. We need to, you know, uh, list our cars on there and get on eBay. And so I started listing cars on there. Well, they, and they probably stopped you and said, yeah, 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 whatever, Nate, go ahead. You can run with this, right? Yeah. Just to, to get you out, quit bugging about it, yeah, right? Like, at this point, I'm like 23 years old, right? Uh, maybe 22, I don't remember. And uh, I redid all their websites because the store, they had like five locations, you know, and, and uh, redid all the websites, set up internet on everyone or emails on everyone's desktop. I mean, it was like a, it was a big change for the company, right? Right. Um, and uh so yeah i mean they're just like whatever Dane, just you know <laughs> knock yourself out <laughs> and it, it just took off you know i mean i was doing when i when i left i was doing over 30 percent of the sales uh for the dealership and um all on the internet you know some repeats repeats and referrals but but yeah so then you know ebay being such a big platform um i would have these bidders you know um from overseas I remember one guy tried to buy a Corvette or he did buy a Corvette. He clicked buy it now or did the bid. I don't remember. And, um, then he never paid for the car. And I'm like, man, you know, these overseas people, I, mean, I live in a small town for a few from here. I mean, yeah. like, but you know, like going to Chicago was like, you know, mind you know, yeah. and anything past Chicago didn't even exist other than a little bit in a textbook. You had heard about it, but I, yeah. I didn't know what, I didn't know what currencies were. I didn't know, you know, even stock market. I mean, you heard of the stock market, but I didn't really know what it was, you know. I mean, it's pretty. Not much today. It's a <laughs> world. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, you know, and then these people overseas are, are, are doing stuff. And I'm like, you know, I, you know, why would anybody bid on a car overseas? Like, just go get their own car. Like, that's so stupid, you know. Like, right. why are you wasting my time? So I changed all my eBay auctions you know, U.S. only, can't bid on it, which is fine, you know, because otherwise you got to you gotta contact eBay, get your fees back, blah, 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 and it's a pain, right? Get the car relisted. Right. So anyways, this guy, he, he bids on, I, I had sold a new Escalade down to a guy in Florida, and he traded in an F-150, so I brought it back up, up to Illinois here, and I put it on eBay, and some guy in, bids on it, and he wins. I'm like, oh, cool, we sold this. And, uh, he's like, he calls me and says, I'm in Iceland. And I'm like, what? I fixed this. You know, why, why is he, you know, right. crazy foreigners bidding on my, <laughs> that was my thoughts, you know, like, and like, why would a guy buy a car from Iceland? Like, you know, we have dealerships at every corner, like a McDonald's, like, you right, know, like, right. why are you guys doing it? Like, why are you wasting the time? And so the guys call me and he says, um, uh, uh, you know, send me your wire and phone. Yeah, okay, here it is. Knock yourself out. You know, it's just some scam thing or right. whatever. And uh, so he's uh, he's calling me, like, you know, and he's like, oh, it's 2 a.m. over here, and, uh, you know, did you get the money yet? And I'm like, why is it 2 a.m. in the first place? <laughs> like, that's how dumb, like, oblivious to the world I was, right? <laughs> yeah, you know, I knew there was time zones, but I didn't even get, like, the whole thing. That's, you know, how... Just that's hilarious was you know and that's what it you know and sadly that's what it's taught around here but uh in most of america um but anyway so you know he's calling me to the next day three times a day and i'm like yeah man money never came i'm not even checking i don't care this guy's just you know i'm already working with ebay to get my fees back and whatnot you know 
and he just keeps calling. I'm like, man, this guy is annoying. <laughs> and uh, so I finally, I got him on the phone. I go up to the office manager. I'm like, hey, did we get, you know, that's 42000 whatever the amount was in, in our account. And I'm standing there, and she's like, yeah, yeah, we got money. I'm like, God bless the internet. Oh, and I got the guy on the phone. I'm like, yeah, we did get your money. <laughs> and then I'm, that's strange. Right. So why is this guy buying this truck? Like, this doesn't even make sense to me. You know, F-150, number one selling truck in America. I mean, why, why doesn't he just go to his local dealer and buy the truck? So, yeah, so why did he buy it from you? Yeah, well, to this day, F-150 is not sold in Europe. It never has been, never was. Uh-huh. So they don't have a, they can't go to the Ford store and buy the truck. So they, you know, we as dumb Americans have so much stuff readily available to us that we forget, you know, uh, what we, what others don't have. I mean, I've shipped a Hannah Montana CD to the United Kingdom because <laughs> his daughter wanted to have a birthday party and they're, you know, and all I did was go to Best Buy. Yeah. yeah. Right? For me, but they don't have it over there. Yeah. So, you know, the simple things that, you know, we don't think about and I, I was yeah. that way. So I started researching how many cars are exported from the United States. So this would have been 2003-ish. And it was like 800,000 cars. And I'm like, whoa. Inconceivable. That's a big number. Right. And, and uh, But that includes factory builds and everything too. But uh, either way. I went back, changed all my eBay ads, shipped worldwide, and man, the phone <laughs> coming in, you know? I mean, just, I, I found a market I had no idea existed. And so that, that's how I got started on it. And then you just jumped, and you just went at it, right? So, I mean, basically, you, I mean, I mean, in both yeah, stories, figured, you just kind of like stumbled on something. It, well, I want to say we stumbled, but you just. No, I stumbled. It yeah. was an accident. <laughs> but, you know, you didn't push it away. Right. I mean, the Internet was out well, there, I whatever. And everybody else said, hey, oh, don't do, you know, whatever, Nate, go knock yourself out, like you said. Right. And. <laughs> but you said, no, there's more to this. I know there's more to this. And you kept and you kept digging and you found it. And then, you know, you saw this you stumbled on it and you kept digging. And, and, I mean, yeah. Would you have naysayers then, too? Were they saying, yeah, don't do that, Nate? Yeah. You know, the risk, you know, I mean, they were the same way, like, oh, he's overseas. I don't know. You know, they think, you know, most Americans think if it's an overseas deal, it's, it's fraud or something. Right. Uh, yeah. Scam. Like, no, there's, you know, there's only 340 million of us in America. There's what, almost 8 billion people now. Like, there's a lot of good people out there doing normal business stuff, you know, whatever Americans. So, yeah, there's a lot of pushback and, uh, not not a lot of pushback, but just, you know, be very cautious, be very cautious, make sure we get the money, you know, that stuff up front. Well, tell so, me about some of the challenges. Now you've, you've, you've tapped into this market, so now you're going to scale this thing, right? Tell me about some of the challenges you experienced the first few years, like, you know, I mean, financing, um, the government, mistakes, and what you learn. I, I did this export for about two years at the dealership, uh, and, and I grew some clients. And, and, and we were at General Motors dealership, um, and they kept saying, "Hey, you know, you gotta, you gotta quit, uh, so you can go out on your own, so you can supply us other brands besides besides General Motors." I'm like, ah, I don't know, you know. I mean, I was 25 years old, had a demo, insurance, making about 135 grand a year. Um, and, uh, and I got a GED, right? So, right. 
pretty and, good. And right? you felt secure, right? <laughs> yeah, I felt secure. I actually had a kid already, so I, you know, I needed to provide. So, um, you know, it was scary to, to leave that. Um, but I eventually did. And um, some of the customers decided, well, they, they weren't going to be able to, to work with me anymore. Um, because, you know, I'm no longer at a franchise dealership, their money is not secure enough for them, right? Yeah. So I lost a lot of customer base that I thought would go with me, um, but you know, they didn't. And today I still have those customers, um, but it took them five years of me being in business before they would buy from me. Hmm. So, um, so definitely there's some challenges there. Any challenges yeah. from the government exporting and things like that? Yeah, so, you know, so I got three good government stories for you. I won't make, take too long. <laughs> All right. But, uh, so the first one is, while I was still at the dealership, um, you know, I was doing a few side deals. I, we, you know, I was doing some Hummer deals, uh, stuff that we couldn't sell at the dealership. So Hummer and some Corvettes that, that we couldn't get access to. So I didn't have a business yet. And so I told my customer, yeah, just, just wire the money to me. And then I'll, I'll wire the money to the dealership. I'll buy it and we'll ship it. So, which was fine. We did. And I put about 800000 through my personal account in about six months. <laughs> and uh, not a good idea. So, one day I'm, uh, I'm out in the garage at the house and I, and I come out. Uh, and the garage is detached to the house. And um, two guys in suits are standing there. I am in a pickle. And I'm like, uh, can I help you guys? <laughs> I just, uh, the FBI. I'm like, oh, what's going on, guys? <laughs> you know, they got a big old folder with them. And I, and I kind of looked around. And I said, where'd you guys park at? Don't worry about it. I mean, their car wasn't around. I don't Are know you how serious? long they can walk. Oh, yeah, you got two guys, men in black, right, standing there. Yeah. And their cars, they're, they're just standing there. Summertime, the whole gig, right? Like, exactly like that, you know? They really oh. said, don't worry about it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so... Uh, luckily, they didn't pull up the pin for me to look at it or whatever, right? It might be. So, but anyway, so, you know, hey, can we come on in? Yeah, no problem. You know, I didn't feel like I was doing anything illegal, you know. And right. I wasn't I wasn't really scared or nervous. You know, they just wanted to see, hey, do you have all the transactions? And they were just talking to me for a bit. And they had everything on me, everything, right? right? I mean, uh, they already did their homework. They just had to, somebody complain something. Well, what happened was I think the financial institution had to report me by law. Right. So then investigate, right? Going through a personal account. So we're there. We weren't talking long. And he's like, you know, can you prove the paperwork? Oh, yeah, let me go stand up and, you know, let me go get that because we're in my living room. So I stand up and he stands up with me. I'm like, uh, oh, you got to go back with me. He's like, yeah, I got to make sure you don't have a gun in the back. I'm like, okay, cool. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so, yeah. It was an interesting experience. Nothing came of it. Uh, and, you know, I, I passed all the tests or whatever they had, you know, so, uh, but it was, it was definitely an interesting day. Um, I then, uh, 2009, uh, during the recession, of course, you know, so it's still maybe 2008, it might have been December of 08, because, mm -hmm. you know, we weren't doing a lot of business. Uh, the Illinois Department of Revenue comes in. And they call, and, and I'm working for my house at the time. Right? Uh, we, I don't, we didn't talk in the beginning, but I did. You know, the first two and a half years I spent in the bedroom of my house, and my mom and I, we worked together. Um, she, she would come over in the morning and everything, and we did about $26 million. We did out of the bedroom. You do realize that's nuts, don't you? 
So I'm doing for your bedroom. Wow, that's awesome. So 2008, and that was through basically 10 and a half months because, you know, the last two and a half months, there wasn't much to be done in, in 08. Right. And uh, so anyway, you know, the recession hits, nothing's really going on. And all of a sudden, the Department of Revenue guy comes in and says, hey, we need to just check your paperwork because you're buying cars and, you know, you're, tax, you know, you're not paying tax on them because you're exporting them. So we just need to, um, but, but the dealerships, have to turn in the tax form, even if it's zero. And we think these de- dealerships aren't turning them in properly. So if we can get a copy of those, uh, then we, we can go back to the dealerships and verify to make sure that, you know, they're actually filing all their paperwork correctly. Right. And I said, okay, I, you know, I can help you with that. In the meantime, I'm calling every dealer I work with. Hey, make sure you turn in your form. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, right. <laughs> Give me my heads up. And, um, Couple of weeks, you know, they they they're there. I buy them lunch. You know, we're having a good time. Blah blah blah. Doesn't matter. You know, about two weeks goes by, and I get a, a certified mail. Oh, you're being audited. Uh. So I call this guy, and I'm like, well, you know, I, I pick up the phone, I call him. He didn't even say hi to me, and he said something like, "Oh, it sucks to be you, huh?" Really? And I'm like, "What?" Yeah, I mean, just the guy was a total, you know, really rude guy. You know, to say it, prick. Yeah, yeah. So to, to, to say the least. I smell vermin, Poontang. And so what he was doing was auditing me, but he never told me he was auditing me. He completely lied to me. You know, uh, right. just just you know, criminal, honestly. And so, um, so they basically figured that I owed sales tax on every vehicle because the state of Illinois has a sales and use tax, and they're saying I I use them for 30 days in in Illinois, every car. And with the oh, Department no. of Revenue, you're guilty until proven innocent. Okay. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I bought this car in Montana, and I shipped it to Alberta, Canada. Never touched they Illinois. How did this car ever come to Illinois? Well, you're gonna have to prove that it didn't come there. I'm like, does common sense work? No. I am too smart. I am too smart. S-M-R-T. I mean, S-M-A-R-R-T. You got a document, you know. And I'm like, this is a joke. Even if it came through Illinois, do you think it sat here for 30 days? Because it has to be a minimum of 30 days for you. Right. Well, you got to prove exactly, you know. And it's just like, are you kidding me? It sat for 30 days. You have a bad business model, right? Yeah. And and anybody (laughs) that's in the car business knows that car business margins suck, right? 2%, 3%, 2%, 3%, you're a hero if you can get the 4%. The state of Illinois tax is six and a quarter. So obviously I haven't made this kind of money to uh, to pay that, right? I mean, they came out with three and a half million or so in tax liability, right? Jeez. So here it is, the recession, we're not making much money, I'm going through this audit, you know, business, I'm not even making money, and they're asking, you know, for, for three million bucks. And um, so I go to start to fight it, and, um, you know, I got, I got to keep going because they're, you know, they're just like, yeah, they're adamant, you know, you owe this tax, uh, you know, just hours and hours and hours of documents. Anyway, I finally, I got to go to court over this, right? right? So I don't know what it's like in all states, but in Illinois, the de- uh, if you want to go to court against the Department of Revenue, the court is at the Department of Revenue's office. <laughs> the judge is an employee of the Department of Revenue. 
Oh, well, there's strikes two and three right there. Wow. Odds aren't real good. You're going to win. Right, <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so this, uh, you know, this goes on. I go to court. I go to court. And we're like, man, you know, like this doesn't even make sense. Like they have nothing on us, but they obviously have a trick because why else would they take this all the way to court, right? Right. And they're going to hit us with it hard. And my, I remember my attorney prepping me and he's like, you know, whatever they do, just stay calm. You know, don't, don't freak out. You know, just, you know, right. We go to court and it was a disaster for them. So the one guy who was in auditing me had moved to another department and they put on another a lady this time uh, who finished up the case. So and, and they didn't even come into the room at the same time to testify. So the first guy says, well, I just, uh, you know, analyzed everything. I didn't I didn't do a review to see if he actually owed it. And then the second comes in and goes, well, I just, I didn't review anything. I was just told that he owed money. I'd say in a given week, I probably only do about 15 minutes of real, actual work. I just took the other guy's word, right? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So the, the two of them said, well, we never actually looked at it, even though they were sending me notices that I owed it. Um, and so we're like, oh, man, like, they owe us, and... You know, they got to pay my 40 grand and attorney and accountant. I mean, I had an accountant testify and all this stuff, right? Right. And, and they, they lose, they got to pay. So a month goes by, two months goes by, three, four, five, six, seven. You know, we're like, what's going on? Why aren't they? Well, the judges there are only in two years. These judges, right. you know, are not really judges. They're employees of the IDOR. They're trying to make a name for themselves. What judge do you think wants to sign off on a $3 million loser? Right. Right? None. So they didn't. So the next judge comes in and says, well, I didn't sign off on that. That was the last guy. And the next girl, and she's like, I'm not signing off on that. (laughs) Seven years later, and a new judge comes in, and she finally says, okay, I'll sign off on it. So, but then they come at me. And they say, well, but, but, but you owe tax on these two then. Because if they totally lost, they're going to have to pay all my fees. Right. So they yeah. said they narrowed it down and said, well, there's two. So that's oh, yeah, yeah. The uh, two, you yeah. know. So, so I get the VINs and I pulled it, I put it in my, you know, my system and look, look up, you know, all my data and, and, and I don't have the VINs in there. And I'm like, well, that's strange. I don't even have the VINs of these, of these cars that they say I owe tax on. Uh, so I'm like, well, let me pull a cart back and check that out. Um, and then maybe I can, you know, figure out what, you know, why I don't have these VINs on. So I run the cart packs on them. They're not even VINs. They're made up. They're fake. They made them up. They made up VIN numbers. Wow. Just so they didn't so we pay go, your fees. Yeah, yeah. So we go back to them and say, guys, here's the cart packs. It says invalid VIN. Like, what are you what are you doing? And then they come back a couple weeks later. Oh, we're sorry, it was a typo and a here typo. Are the By the way, the VINs weren't even remotely close to the first one. <laughs> so it wasn't like one digit was off as they typo, like right? Complete, yeah. Yeah. So I go in again. I put it in my data system. No, I don't I don't have any record of the VINs in my system. Um I so I pull Carfax on them. And they improved, at least they were vehicles this time. Right, <laughs> right, right, right. In Ohio and in Ohio or something. I don't remember what they were. 
they're looking at Carfax. There's no Illinois. Like I, I had no, I didn't have no idea what these cars were. Right. So we go back to him again. Can you, you know, prove to us the relation to this? Why are they tech? And by the way, my lawyer at the time, he's like, just pay it, just pay it. the whole for the whole time, just pay it. You know, you got you got lucky here. I didn't like I didn't get lucky. I didn't do anything wrong. Right. You know, they just tell you pay it, pay it, pay it. You know, they always want to settle the terms. You know. Right. Yeah. And so. You know, I, I didn't. And I kept pushing back. I'm like, no, I'm not paying this. I don't owe it. And uh, so we sent it back to them, and like, nothing happens. A year goes by. I don't hear anything from them. <clears throat> then I'm working on a loan that Kirby helped me set up <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, as with BMO. And uh, they said, hey, you got a tax lien against your company, though. You're going to have to you know, put out a bond or do an escrow. So I can't remember what they want. I'm like a tax lien. Why don't I have a tax lien? And I'm like, send it to me. So they send it to me. Sure enough, Illinois Department of Revenue. I never wow. got a. I just never got a notice. Nothing. Just put a lien on the company. Had no clue. No clue. Wow. Fifty six hundred or sixty one hundred, something like that, around six grand. And um, so I, I go back to the attorney. Like, what is this? So he had to go to you know a higher court, and they finally dismissed it. Now I never got my money. Oh, no. I never got. I told him, "Well, let's go after my forty grand in expenses." A little fighting you. I like that. And again, he's like, "Well, oh, you know, I really pulled some strings here." I'm like, "Pull what strings? They were right. wrong. We were they were right. wrong. You were right. Yeah, there wasn't no strings. I mean, attorneys they always just want to settle. They just like, hey, I, I'm in. I'm yeah. out. I got my money. I'm done." Yeah. And so now this is nine years later, right? So, but at this point, it's nine years later, and I'm like, the forty grand was nine years ago. Um, it's just not even worth the battle at this point, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's just, what, you wow. know, what are you going to spend two years trying to get your money back from them? You know, yeah, it's yeah. just walk away from it. But, yeah. uh, like, you know, I, I just tell people, government doesn't do stuff right always, right? And don't be afraid of them. If somebody comes to you and says you owe them money. You don't owe them money, yeah. you know, here's your money, but I mean, don't assume that you do. Um, I was audited by the IRS too, and they tried to get me to owe money and the accountants took five minutes and proved them wrong and I didn't owe anything, you know, so yeah, yeah. Uh, simple stuff. But uh, so my, the other um, government story is uh, 2012 uh, U.S. Secret Service found men guilty of uh being doing a scheme for the car export business found you guilty no 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 two guys two guys okay. yeah uh these were california residents that um went and got driver's license in new hampshire um to buy cars because california you're paying 10 percent sales tax new hampshire is 1.8 percent right but buying a hundred thousand dollar range rover or an $80,000 Mercedes GL, 8% is a lot of margins. So these guys figured, well, we can just title these things in New Hampshire and save a lot of money, which is true. You can. Yeah. The problem is they were such nickels. They didn't want to spend $300, $500 a month in rent to get a place to have and brick water bill. 
to actually be able to be a resident there and get driver's license. Oh. So they forge documents oh. to get the driver's license. And that's where they went wrong, right? Right. So, so then it got the attention of the Secret Service, and they're like, oh, well, then every exporter must be a criminal. <laughs> right? Yeah, so they went after your industry. <laughs> yeah, they go around seizing bank accounts, seizing cars, and it's like, whoa, you know, like, wait a minute, am I doing something illegal here? Should, you know, like, should I close my business down? Like, yeah, you know, right. but everything I've had known, there's, there's nothing illegal. I mean, U.S. Customs doesn't care. <laughs> you can ship whatever, right. you, you know, ship. They have restrictions, but we were within those restrictions. You know, we can't ship stuff to North Korea or whatever, you know. But uh, so anyway, uh, you know, it, it's it's tough time for the industry. Uh, you know, even my own bank called me one day and said, uh, you know, hey, you got 24 hours to get your get your money out of our account, <laughs> right? Because they were just afraid. Right. They want to be a part of it. And, and the funny part, you know, Curfew Europe, you're, you lived through it. We had a, what was it, F4 tornado come through? Yes, yeah, yeah. And so my business didn't get hit, but it was right next to it. And I think we had about six or seven employees at the time. And I told everybody, you know, just take the week off. Just help the community. You know, we got we to, gotta, you know, we got to help. So right. I really was, yeah, I was at Costco. I had a 30, I have a 30-foot trailer. I got 12 pallets full of stuff I bought for the community, right? Right. And Costco and the bank are right next to each other. So I walk over the bank and I get a check for $30,000. And I walk back to Costco and I buy this stuff and I'm driving back to town to hand this stuff out. And that bank calls me. I know it's bad timing right now. I know you're out there trying to help people, but you got 24 hours to get your money on that account. I'm like, (laughs) Like, are you kidding me? My office is closed. I've got nobody there. So I had to turn around, go get a check, cashier's check, just to get the money out of the account. I mean, just crazy stuff, you know? Yeah. And uh, anyway, the. Uh, so how'd you so overcome that? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. The government's just going crazy. They're seizing banks, bank accounts, cars. And, uh, but, but they're not hitting everyone, but they're, they're hitting a lot of people, right? Right. And I mean, it's, it's causing a lot of, a lot of headache and a lot of fear, right? I mean, when, when am I going to hit next, you know, or when's my turn next? Right. Right. And, and actually I was, we were so afraid to ship anything at that time. Um, because they were seizing cars at the ports and stuff. Right. So when that, in my, you know, my house, the tornado was, I don't know, a two tenths of a mile. It hit, it knocked out my neighbor's houses. Right. I mean, I'm on 17 acres, so it's up a bit. But it took out, but at the time, I had 30 some Mercedes and Range Rovers and Porsches in my shop. Oh, wow. Well, a million dollars worth of cars. <laughs> that tornado could have wiped out. Every, oh, wow. Because we were holding them here. We were afraid to ship them. You know, the customers had paid for them and I had bought them, but I didn't know what to do with them. So, you know, we were just loading them up, keeping them safe here, or hoping they were safe here. Yeah, right. Hey, that, was a, that was a close call. Yeah, very close call. And I don't even know if they were properly insured at that time either, right? <laughs> so <laughs> it could have been a real bad day. Uh, so I, 
got, I, but I, you know, we're shipping some stuff, but not everything. You know, some customers are telling me to hold them. Some are telling me to ship them, you know, so, you know, so, so I've got some, I, I've got, I've got five cars at one warehouse, uh, three Range Rovers and two Mercedes. And there's an inside job. 12 cars are stolen one night. Okay. Complete inside job. So oh. stolen. Stole the cars right out of the warehouse. They went in at night, had all the keys, took the cars, right? Well, Secret Service hears of this. So I'm, I'm out 212000 bucks because these cars are stolen, right? And I got to start filing with insurance and whatnot. But I mean, you know, it's not, it's not good. <clears throat> and, um, and it was an inside job? Oh, yeah, at the warehouse. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah, it was, it was clear because there was no break in. They knew where, where the keys were, just... you know. The whole thing. It was a complete, you know, 100% done with inside information at least, right? Um, but Secret Service hears about it, of course. You know, it's making news. And uh, so they go up and want to investigate, you know, what's going on and stuff. Um, so they come up there. They're up there within 48 hours. And instead of just investigating see what's going on, they take every car out of the warehouse. They see them all. Oh, Wow. Now I got three cars that were seized. Jeez. So I leave in two days, five cars gone. And, um, you know, so. But I have so, a feeling you just didn't roll over because I think a lot of people in the industry, did they roll over and just say, that's it, I'm done? Oh, I'm not messing um, with this? Some guys, were, some guys were afraid, you know, some guys would just sit back, but no, I'm not one that does. So, yeah, I think yeah. we've established that. <laughs> yeah. I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm calling the Secret Service. I'm like, where's my cars? What, you know, I better see some paperwork. You know, like what's going on? What do you, you know, what's your reasoning? You know, what, what law am I breaking? You know, they won't say nothing. They won't say anything. Nothing. They won't talk, you know. And, uh, you know, I've got some $800 an hour lawyer out in California who's a customs, you know, um, lawyer. And he can't get an answer. I mean, they just will not talk to him. But this is 2013, 2014. 14 might have been 2014 and the other cases they started seizing in 2012 these are starting to go through court now right these guys are fighting them and there's a community i mean we, we raised one hundred and seventy thousand dollars as a group to hire lawyers and and start fighting this stuff as, as an industry as well right yeah uh, but there's it's this case uh, in, in ohio and um this guy he goes to court he's got Two or five cars seized, I can't remember, and like two or four hundred thousand dollars. I don't remember the numbers right now, but you know, a, a lot of money. You know, over half a million dollars for sure. And um, he wins. He wins in court. Hmm. He didn't just win. The judge was like, "Secret Service, you have no rights here. You refund everything immediately. You know, you are way out of line. You know, you're really hurting small businesses. Like." just really laid into the biggest service. And it was like, wow, you know? And then every case after that just started boom, boom. Domino, right? We're winning and secret service was losing everything. I got a call one day. Hey, come get your three cars. And I said, oh, okay. So, so what happened here? Why were my cars seized? Come get your cars. That's it. <laughs> just get them. And uh, so I never, you know, I never got one answer. You know, but uh, so anyway, we we picked the cars up and got the cars back. But yeah, I mean that that was you know a two year period. Wow. 
you know, just had some major challenges that most small businesses yeah. have yeah. couldn't even fathom or wouldn't yeah. survive. Right. That, that's just that's, that, those are some great great stories. But you, here you are, you, you've overcome. I mean, like I said, I think we've established that you don't give up. You question everything, uh, which is good, and, and and you're here, and that's great. But you recently, you know, you're, you're like you said, you made, you made mention you want to help people and kind of, you know, gone through the same experiences as you have as a child and who are getting into entrepreneurship, who want to shove the naysayers to the side and don't listen to them and you need to overcome that and start your own business. And so you've been doing some speaking engagements. Um, you recently wrote an article in Forbes and the article is called Four Ways to Gain Business Expertise Without Pursuing a Business Degree. I'm just going to ask you this. Do you think a business degree is necessary for entrepreneurship? Maybe a hindrance? Or is college not what it used to be? And why Why do you think that? So I would say that it's uh, more industry. Um, you know, some industries need it. Some oh, industries yeah. If you're a surgeon, I want you to go to school. Yeah, right. <laughs> you got to go to <laughs> yeah. school. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know. I'm not sure attorneys America, need it. But. Yeah, yeah. No, <laughs> for sure. Or if it's, you know, I, I, like, I love trade schools. I think trade schools are great. I mean, here, look, I have businesses. I'm not an expert in every field. I mean, I don't need to go to college to try to have knowledge of every aspect of every business, right? Like, you're never going to be good at all of them. And but, you can yeah. you and can I, learn in their life way better than you're going to learn in college. Well, see, that's so, my point. So I thought, can college kind of be a hindrance to entrepreneurship because they think you have to know everything? And so when yeah. you go out to start something, you think, I have to know this, 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 and this. Whereas an entrepreneur says, well, if I don't know it, I'm going to find a different way or someone else to do it for me. Yeah, delegate. It's easier to scale. Whereas you sit there and try to do it all yourself and think you have to do it all yourself. And I, I, I have to be a genius in the finances. I have to be a genius in the fi- operations. I have to be a genius in the sales, dot, dot, dot. And I just can't get going because I, I'm just in this quagmire of trying to <laughs> know everything. And that's really, that's a huge hindrance. And I wonder if college kind of does that. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I mean, um, they, you know, they, try, they, they spread you too wide, you know. Right. And, and instead of teaching you or, you know, more like a trade school where you're a master in a certain particular part of a business, Right. You know, instead of learning everything, it's, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, teach their own, but I, but I definitely, I mean, America has a college problem. We all know that. Yeah. So, no, absolutely. Uh, well, dude, you, you know, you can go and learn anything online any now within whole yeah. semesters worth of stuff in a day. <laughs> you can do it pretty <laughs> yeah. quickly, right? Yeah. There's so many more resources now than there was back then. I mean, like yeah. I just, I was helping my son. He's in first grade, and I actually it was about abstract something. And <laughs> he's in first grade. I'm like, I don't yeah. remember this. Like, yeah. YouTube it and got the information. I didn't need to go to college to learn that. Like, it's you know, like yeah, my today, uh, son was different. in third grade. Yeah, in here, and they have a reach program, and it's you know, it's for advanced. You know, he's a smart kid, and you know, I consider him advanced. And um, they have this program. And I said, well, what did you learn today? He goes, Oh yeah, we started a business, and we learned about a profit and loss statement and a balance sheet. And I'm like, what? You're in third yeah. grade. Uh, and he loved it. Yeah. Absolutely loved it. Yeah. Well, I want to talk more about the article and the four points you mentioned in the article. And uh, the gist of the article is you don't have to know everything. And we kind of you know touched on that before uh, to start a business and or follow your entrepreneur dreams. You recommend using resources within your community 
tell us how you use some of the local uh, resources that were in your community to expand your business or to get it off the ground. I, I used um, the local college to develop a software program because in the industry I'm in, it's niche enough that there isn't anything out there um, that would work for my industry, even close enough to where I could modify it. So uh, it's, I don't know, it's been six or seven years ago now. Um, I got with uh, the college and got with a class where they have to do a, uh, it was a development class and they have to, you know, help develop a, um, some kind of software or make a website. I mean, all, all kinds of different options for them um, for, for their grade. So there's three kids. And I kind of put, uh, you know, it was a pretty poor uh, paper, you know, document together, RFP or whatever. Um, but I got it put together and uh, they started on it. They worked on it for, uh, I guess, about four months, three months, four months uh, for their class. And uh, I think it would have taken you or could you have gotten it done? Well, it was the call. I mean, it was free. Yeah. <laughs> that was and I couldn't. Like, I don't I don't write code. So yeah. it would have taken me forever. <laughs> so, right, but it's a necessary uh, part of your business. So you, you sat there and said, "I, you know, you didn't dwell on it. You try to learn code yeah. to do it. You, just, I outsourced it." Right, and uh, you know, and there's great stories where people, you know, like they go out and they taught themselves and they did this, and that's great too. But you know, that that's not. I, there's no passion for me in in, in developing code. So why, why would I want to go down that avenue? And uh, you know, it's good because they use different skill levels um, there too. So, you know, one was better with security, another one was, you know, maybe writing code and the other one was more processes. And so a afterwards, I even hired two of them hmm. uh, um, to stay to stay and keep working on it. And one stayed for, I don't remember, um, another three, six months. And uh, but then he got a job with like, MasterCard or something in their security department. Um, and the other one to this day still works on it. Really? And that's like, I think, seven years ago. Wow. That's awesome. Well, you also mentioned you utilized your local SCORE chapter, and they've been around for a long, long time. How did they help you, and what was the biggest advantage they gave you? Yeah, I think with SCORE, um, most of them, you know, they're, they are helping a lot of people start businesses. And they're, I mean, SCORE has, you know, just gobs of information out there. Um, and that's kind of their 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 expertise, I believe, is um, helping a business get started, analyzing it. Should you really get a, you know, is this a valid business? That kind of stuff. Um, but I, but I wanted it more as a mentor. I, I, I have a, a neighbor that's a successful business owner, and I kind of bounced things off him when I needed to and stuff. It was nice. Uh, unfortunately, he had a stroke and he's not really able to talk anymore. Oh, <clears throat> So I kind of lost that, you know, and I, re I really wanted that, that, that mentor still, you know, that, yeah. hey, you know, what's going on and, you know, just, uh, it's nice about, I mean, these people have already lived through it, right. you know, I don't create the wheel, get some advice and, you know, may not, maybe I take it, maybe I don't, but at least, at least it's that somebody's want, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, you mean, I, you know, I'm a huge proponent of this and I talk about on the show um, yeah. about mentorship and it's not just. Because, you know, we offer those services, but, you know, because I use mentors, too. Um, yeah. And, yeah, you can. I mean, you should have two or three, honestly, yeah. and know what their expertise is, you know, so um, so that you can, depending on the problem, go to that mentor or always run it by a couple of different mentors. I mean, having more ideas um, never hurts. Right. So, 
Well, and I think yeah. because you know, the outside uh, third party who's not a direct employee of you, I mean, you might pay for your mentor or whatever, but, you know, their their livelihood, their security doesn't depend on that paycheck, right? They have others. They have other sources of income. And where you might not get that from maybe an employee who's afraid to speak up about a certain thing. Say, well, I'm not going to challenge Nate on this because he <laughs> might fire me. or You know, and people just, that's what they think. They say, you know, I just want to do my job, keep my head down. And sometimes they just don't want to give you that opinion that you need, that you, you know, someone to challenge you and, and say, well, Nate, I, you know, you shouldn't do this. And here's why. And at the end of the day, like you said, you're, gonna, you're either going to take it or not take it, but at least you had someone there to bounce that idea off and at least made you think and it made, made you uh, just reevaluate the direction you wanted to go in something. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, friends and family aren't usually the best ones either because, again, they don't want to hurt your feelings or whatever. So having that mentor that's, you know, sure, you can be, you know, friends, friends, but not like, you know, quote, like, you know, your family's going out to dinners and you know, doing that, right. you know, not that friendship where it's too close, where, you know, where, you know, or if you give bad advice, or I shouldn't call it bad advice, but, <laughs> you know, you took somebody's advice and it went the wrong way, you know, whether it was good or bad or not, you know, how it was handled. You don't want to be in a situation where, you know, it creates animosity between these people and that kind of stuff, right? right. So I think keeping, you know, a, more like a professional type setting uh, with your mentors is, is important as well. Yeah, that's a good point. Very good point. Well, yeah. um, outsourcing is the last point you mentioned, and I have a feeling as we have more social isolation going on in this world, this will become a more attractive option, which is good for me. Uh, so, <laughs> you know, my business offers exactly what outsourcing, primarily in revenue generation, sales, and CFO bookkeeping services, and you, you use us. I think one of the biggest fears is people and business owners are stuck in their old way of thinking that if the person or persons are not in a seat in my office and I'm counting his or her every minute, it won't work. Why do you argue against that, and why do you use outsourcing for your business? Yeah, I uh, I wish I would have started outsourcing right from the beginning. And, and and there are better services out there, more people doing outsourcing now than there was oh, yeah. 13 years ago. So I, I can't honestly say I it would have been the best thing back then. But, yeah, I mean, it's a no-brainer outsourcing. I mean, any – I mean, look, major corporations have been doing it for – forever right you know now that it's available to small businesses why would you not take advantage of that like you're you're, you're behind the curve if you're not already using outsourcing i mean yeah you know it's you're only paying for the time that you use you're getting an expert in that business if you want to hire someone you know they're okay so maybe they're an expert in that in that field that you need to hire them for are you going to be able to keep them busy the full time right no way no. Right. So you're really losing money. Yeah, you're losing money. And then they don't even like their job because you have them doing, you know, they're only doing 30 percent of what they what they love. Seventy percent of stuff you give them to make, you know, to Just try to keep business. So you, yeah. So you have to pay and make, you know, and so that yeah, you're yeah. losing that 70 percent. It's not necessary. Um, and, and, and outsourcing, you know, and it can be, you know, it could be a cost savings, you know, depending on, you know, what you're using them for. At the end of the day, a lot of times you don't just get one individual; you get a team of individuals as well, and that's the, that's even more important, right? So you have you can hire someone to do it, right? Then you got to pay for, you know, maybe benefits, and you know you got to worry about that person's sick leave, and dot dot dot. It goes all down the line where you outsource it. You might get a team, so you know 
at the end of the day, someone's working on it behind the scenes, no matter what, and it's going to get done. And probably a little bit more accurately, depending on what that is. Yeah. Yeah. Then, and especially like at a crunch time, uh, you know, like you, as an employee, you're keeping them busy with day-to-day activities like or, or responsibilities. You have to, I mean, you have to, how is you going to keep them busy? Right. Right. You can't just let them sit around and wait for the big thing to come. So when a project comes along, your employees are already busy doing their daily activities and now you need crunch time. So what happens? So, okay, now you got to work on this project. So what now the daily activities get lacked, customers are upset, mm-hmm. suppliers, are upset, whatever it is, when you're outsourcing, you can lean on these outsourcers, um, to take on those projects and not affect your business in a negative way. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. You have other businesses. Uh, do you think diversity is important for entrepreneurs as a strategy, or do you just love to make money and addicted to the side hustle? Or is it both? I think, yeah, I, I read a long time ago um, that the average millionaire has three sources of income. I mean, I read this a long time ago. I was probably 18, 19 years old. And uh, so I think that's important. I mean, being diversified is definitely important because become, becoming a millionaire and staying a millionaire are two different things. Mm-hmm. You know, you can have a few good years and, um, you know, have the margin, but then, but then the business goes down. And if yeah. you're not diversified, you don't have all these other incomes coming in. Uh, and things are know, changing so, fast. A lot faster than it used to be, right? Yeah, yeah. So, and so you're, you're you're crazy to sit there and think that your business is going to be the same today that it is 20 years from now, because it probably won't be. Right. If, now you, the, if you go down that road, you're probably going to fail. Well, it's never going to There's no way it's going to be the same in 20 years, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you know, get, uh, getting residual income is obviously key. That's, I mean, everybody wants to have residual income. Um, so trying to set up the businesses. So for me, the property business, it's, it's not a lot of income, but it's, it's basically residual income for me. I mean, I I spend, you know, literally 10 to 15 hours a year on it. You know, it's an hour, maybe so a month. I mean, it's, it's nothing. Right. But what I gain out of it, it's it's the, the rate is huge. Right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, but if I built it big, it would be more of a problem. And, you know, so it's a nice little small business for me. Uh, you know, it makes a little money, so it's good. Um, but, you know, being having several businesses, um, it makes it tough. You you can't focus, you know, 100% on each business all the time. Right. That's fine. As a small business owner, everyone knows, like, you know, you – you're the reason the business is there. Yeah. So, um, you know, it makes it tougher, but for me, like I said, I can't, you know, starting, you know, buying the dealership recently. Um, that's another diversify for yeah. me, you know, exporting and then doing retail in, in the U S so it's a good mix. And I do, you know, and they, and they cross, yeah. you know, the, the export company is very good at sourcing vehicles. And so at a dealership, you need vehicles to sell. So we use that company to help source for the dealership. Yeah. So, so, you, so let's talk about it. You just bought a car dealership. T- tell me about that process and what you learned from starting, you know, an eight-figure business from scratch to buying into a business, right? That's totally different. Yeah, and and I have partners actually. I don't own it all, and um, so we have two other partners, three total, three three of us total, 
So that's new. That's new to me. Um, I like it <laughs> because <laughs> I'm not dependent to be there every day for every decision and whatnot. So, and we, we have a good mix uh, of partners, you know, um, so with, with unique skill sets. So it's really, um, it's only been about five months. We're in our fifth month, um, but it's going really well. So it's good. I, I'm, I'm definitely excited about it. That's cool. Has it been is it been a total different challenge? I mean, I mean. Uh, so okay, so my my business uh, export business, uh, like I said, there's no software out there. I had to develop my own. The car industry, the you know the, the typical car industry as people know it, car dealerships. Uh, there's 17, I think 16,800 new car dealerships, and I don't know how many used car dealerships. You know, there's probably five or 10 to one for every new car dealership, right? You see those used cars everywhere. Yeah, so yeah. very software-based business, okay? So I get in there, and I haven't been in it in 13 years, 12 years. So, you know, it's, it's different. It's a lot different, a lot more software. But, um, you know, it's like I sit down on the software, and I want to go look at buying a car at the auction, and this software tells me, oh, in your area – you know, it, there's a scale rating zero to, to five and it says, well, this car is a 3.7. So, you know, okay, it's probably okay to buy, or this car is a 2.1 in your area. They're not really selling, so don't buy it. Hmm. And you should pay this much for it. And you are going to ask this much for it. And it's, there's no thinking. Yeah. Like they just, everyone just kind of runs the motion, the software, they're like, like robots. They just, <laughs> you know, software told me to buy these cars and I will ask these. <laughs> so <laughs> it's really strange to me. Um, you know, and it's like even, you, you know, people know you call it, nobody likes going to the dealership, right? Right. So, because they have the same speeches, the same, you know, thing that every, you know, oh, yeah, you know, would you like to come in today? Yeah. Would this time or this time work in case I drop your call? What's your phone number? And your last name is? <laughs> you know, like yeah. the stupid script that nobody wants to hear. Um, you know, so we're we're trying to do things different. We we deliver cars uh, even for a test drive to their house, um, or you know, just to deliver it in general um, if they can't get to us and uh, they don't want to come to us. Yeah, and you know, we offer you know free delivery anywhere in the state and and, and whatnot. We're just doing things different, and, and yeah. I like it because to me it's fun. Yeah. Um, because I don't think like, I don't think like the softwares do. Right. So all I got to do is niche of what everyone else isn't doing. Well, that's been a challenge for you in the past because yeah. I know this from the financial side, right? Because when you've been looking to hire bookkeepers or controllers, whatever, for your company, and you've gone to the larger corporations, people are very intelligent, got great resumes, right? Uh, work for a big, you know, Fortune 500 company in their accounting department, yet you stick them in your environment where they have to think and understand how what they're entering affects the rest of the financial is a lot different. It's just, it's just a different world. And that's a big, you know, that's a huge challenge. I mean, you've experienced that. And uh, I've, uh, I've not had much luck hiring fortune 500 companies, uh, employees from those companies, right? You know, they are really good at what they do. They're smart people, mostly college educated because they got to have one to get hired on at those places. Um, but they, you know, they're, they're niche in that. I mean, like some of these to the point of, 
oh, I only worked on this line on AR. My job was this one chart of account. That's it. Yeah. And I got paid 75 grand a year. What? (laughs) Yeah. And I mean, that one line could have been $8 million worth of receivables, right? Right. So it was important to to that, that big company. But just no understanding of what that does to the balance sheet you know, or anything. It's just, it's, it's amazing. And I've also hired someone from the car industry. Well, I've hired a few from the car industry and it's the same way I found out because they're so software based. Mm-hmm. Can't actually think for themselves. I'm not like insulting these people, but it's not no, their but, fault. Yeah. They were just, that's what they know. Yeah. So. Well, I, I mean, you know, that frustrates me. I get, you know, you, you've heard me rant a couple of times <laughs> <laughs> when I said, I don't understand why they don't check. Yeah. <laughs> After they, they enter they something and how it affects it, it drives me nuts. Yeah. The thing is, Bob, it's not that I'm lazy. It's that I just don't care. Well, hey, bud, this has been just, I've had a blast. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Um, I, I, I really, truly appreciate your business and your friendship. Uh, but before I go, I want to play a game. And I didn't, I was, didn't let you know I was going to do this. Let's get to know Nate a little bit more personally. And I'm going to ask you 10 questions rapidly. And you have to answer them the same. You up for it? Yeah, knock yourself out. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, I didn't call anybody in your office. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, what's your favorite food? Oh, man, I'm like the second, second pickiest person in the world. And I, I say know. that because there's got to be one person out there worse. But you know what? Um, I eat a lot of cereal. cereal. So I, I just I cereal. <laughs> I know it's not chicken nuggets anymore, is it right? <laughs> no, I never eat chicken nuggets. No, I just, um, yeah, I only eat like five things. Yeah, it's pretty sad, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, what's the worst food? I mean, what is, I mean, obviously you're really picky, so what's the, what is the one thing? Ain't no, there's no way. Uh, Probably corn. Corn is just a no. You're from Central Illinois and you do not like corn. Wow. You know what? Yeah, I was uh, force fed it as a child. And. <laughs> You, you get know, traumatized by it. That's what I it is, right? Yeah, it's like, yeah, I just didn't like it. So. Last song you listened to? I don't even remember. You know what? So with music, I play it all the time. I got Sonos. I got it in the car. But I actually don't listen because it goes back, I think, being dyslexic and not understanding the words. Yeah. It's just background noise for me. I, I, there isn't one song I could sing all the words All right, to. so what's the genre? So. What's the genre? What do you like? Uh, I'm really open with that. So I'll, I'll listen to R&B, country, Christian music. Um, Whatever the mood, huh? Yeah, 70s, 80s, you know, like just not any really hard rap or, yeah. you know, really old country, I guess. About that. But I don't really care. I'm, I'm, as long as it's got a good beat to it, I'm good to go. <laughs> What's your favorite <laughs> hobby? Probably driving fast. Yeah? I, I, I like to drive fast, yeah. So. Where's your favorite vacation spot? Uh, Moab, Utah. And do you go drive fast out there? Well, we rent some Jeeps, and we don't necessarily get to drive fast, um, but get to climb a lot of rocks and do some pretty scary stuff, which right. is a lot of fun. All right, I'm going yeah. embar- to embarrass you. Celebrity crush. Uh, you know, so I'll embarrass myself even more than you're trying to embarrass me. <laughs> I joke about this with my girlfriend, so... You know, she's got this, you know, Chris Pratt and all these, uh, you know, hot guys <laughs> that, uh, you know, that are her celebrity crushes. For me, for some odd reason, like, uh, I like old black guys. Why isn't this an awkward moment? 
<laughs> Washington, Morgan Freeman. Oh These my guys god, that's hilarious. Yeah, yeah. So they're even worse than say. <laughs> I did not see it going that way. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah, but that's the truth. <laughs> uh, we're almost done here. Aliens, real or fake? Uh, I'm gonna have to go with fake. All right. Last gift you gave someone? I don't know. I'm gonna think about it. <laughs> Might go all the way back to Christmas. Go back to Christmas. <laughs> well, that, that was a lot of gifts. Uh, so yeah, I don't right. know. Yeah, you do something yeah, for Christmas, know. that's it. You're out, you're done for the rest of the year. Favorite movie? Yeah. Um man, I don't I you know, I, I just don't it's like songs. Like if you ask me what my favorite song is, I don't have one like movies. I, I've I've watched some, but I don't watch a lot of movies. Yeah. So I don't have time for that. I don't stop for that. So Nice. Good. <laughs> so, Last one. Favorite podcast. Uh Beards with Biz. There you go. <laughs> you know what? You're a terrible liar. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. Oh, dude. Well, hey, much love and success to you. Is there anything you want to plug before we sign off? Uh, yeah. No. I mean, uh, Marsha Group Export US Autos, exportusautos.com for our uh, export business. If anybody's uh, in listening to that industry, if you're looking for uh, a newer used vehicle, uh, riverchevy.com. Um, and, and we, we have cars priced on there lowest in the country, lowest in 500 miles. That's, that's our niche. I have a way to buy. I, I know niche ways to buy cars. So we buy them right. We buy them cheap and we offer them at the same value. So there you go. yeah, check out those businesses. All right, man. Well, Hey, thank you. Before I sign off, I want to remind everyone to subscribe to the show at anchor.fm biz with beard, then share it with your friends on all your social media pages. Nate, thank you so much for being on today. I truly, truly appreciate it. Uh, thank you, Kirby. It's been an honor. Thank you. All right. So don't forget, while you're on Anchor, subscribe. And if you want to feature your business by sponsoring a future episode or help support the show, all you have to do is hit listener support, and we can feature you or your business at the beginning of the show. Also remember that all hashtag biz with beard listeners will be hooked up with your first month free of a Coon Box when you go sign up for Coon Box from our friends at Coon Beard Products. All you have to do is go to coonbox.com and use the code bizbeard when you sign up. So there you have it, friends. Another show is in the books, but never fear. The beard will always be here. Until next time, same beard time, same beard channels. Thank you for listening to Hashtag Biz with the Beard. Remember, every genius idea starts with the stroke of the beard. Have a successful day. Hey, Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald fans. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. It was brought to you by ACS Executives. Let me ask you something. As an entrepreneur or business owner, are you tired of struggling with running your business? Do you feel you can drive more revenue, improve your profits, and run more efficiently if you had a little help? Well, you are not alone, and there is a solution for you. Like many small businesses, as the owner, you wear a lot of hats. And why wouldn't you? You started this thing, so you're very careful and particular about it. Well, at ACX Executives, we do a deep dive into your business to help your business grow revenues, improve profits, acquire capital, and run more efficiently. We just don't point out problems. We help you resolve them through our family of companies and the solutions they provide. 
we share some of the best practices and processes and coach you and your team through them. Our suite of quality products and services will help you get there quickly and smoothly. That's how we ensure your success. So visit us at acsexec.com or call us at 1-800-495-6505 and schedule a free 30-minute consulting assessment. Have a successful day, and we hope you enjoy today's episode of Hashtag Biz with Beard and Bald.